For RCRTV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, small cell, Wi-Fi, and much more. Comscope. Thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. We've got a great show for you this week that sort of continues our in-depth look at some of the key trends in the small cell space. But before we get into that, let's introduce our guest, Jason Marshek, the Service Director at Current Analysis, which is located right here in Austin. Thanks for coming in, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into small cell and a few other topics, can you just tell us a little bit about your background in the industry and about the work that Current Analysis does? Sure, yeah. Current Analysis is one of the, the larger research firms in the telecom space, and so we're a little bit different in that we take a look at or we approach the market more from a tactical perspective on how the vendors are competing with each other or how the, the network operators. So my group specifically looks at all of telecom infrastructure, basically anything that a vendor would sell to a network operator, be that hardware, if it's software, um, back office systems, manage their professional services to help them roll out and, and, and monetize their equipment. So um, we look fairly granularly at how these vendors compete with each other and then in turn how they are you know, helping their customers, the operators, deliver compelling services to, you know, to the end user or enterprise. Okay, and, and you know, let's take that right into small cell. We've been hearing for years and years these just grandiose projections of small cell deployments. On the ground, it hasn't really kept pace with the projections, but 2015 seems like it's going to be a really big year for you know, uh, major operators rolling out small cells, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, we've, um, a lot of folks ask, you know, especially us, because we do look at how the vendors compete with each other, you know, what are some of the key technology developments that are, that are going into the market? Um, and I think one of the key developments in general is the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, this is, seems to be the year where where real commercial momentum is getting off the ground. Yeah. Um, and I think it's for a variety of reasons. I think the, the, the major reason was just there were macro build-outs to be done in advance of small cells. Mm -hmm. um, there are business issues to be overcome. You know, there's a lot of siting issues. There are a lot of, you know, a lot of the things we've heard about, rights of way. You're dealing with municipalities. You're dealing with a, a very fragmented system. And so... A lot of like the old cable systems of years ago where the cable company had to go municipality by municipality to gain um, the right to, to provide services to the customers, it's even more granular when you're talking about small cells. Mm -hmm. So there's street furniture that's owned by one person, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, depending on where you are, there's uh, things that, you know, how, how the small cell can look from an aesthetic mm -hmm. point of view. So I think what is happening with the industry is we're... There's there's enough I guess experience there that you're starting to see batch agreements. Mm -hmm. You're starting to see more um, movement, you know, coming together on how to make these things look nice, where to site them, you know, how to make sure that that they work properly, how they don't interfere with each other. So there were a lot of issues beyond just the size of the radio that really had to come together before we could, mm -hmm. you know, before before the industry could really take off. We're starting to see that now. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also starting to see, I think, the 
from just a business tension point of view, the idea, I mean, smartphones have gotten to the point of penetration where if an operator is making investment and an investment into LTE and they're marketing themselves on the fact that we have a great 4G network and this means you're going to be able to enjoy all the things that you want to enjoy on your phone from a video perspective, mm -hmm. from a, you know, the ability to make a call whenever you need to make a call, receive a text message, things of that nature. Um, that customer experience is starting to be impacted now to the extent that you need small cells to really mm -hmm. come in and, and, and start to, um, you know, start to fill those gaps. I think alternatively, or you know, simultaneous to that, you're also seeing workforces become more mobile orientated in the terms of how they communicate, and mm -hmm. so you're seeing large companies now start to understand, hey, you know, we we have to mobilize our workforce from the perspective of being able to make sure that they can do their job from their mobile as well as they can from their desk phone, and so from the enterprise perspective, you're starting to see some interest from from large companies equip their campuses so that their workforce can be as productive as they can possibly be. So there's a lot of issues, business issues, technology issues, um, just kind of political issues, and mm -hmm. they're, they're all starting to be overcome to the extent which now you're starting to see numbers that um, you know, we were projected a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. I think now you're starting to see that happen. I guess one of the, the companies I've really been watching is, is Sprint. They've obviously made a lot of uh, noise about uh, their network upgrade plans. And uh, while those haven't really been publicly announced, everybody seems to think that's going to be small cell heavy. We wrote a story a few weeks ago with the CEO of Sprint. He was down in Miami talking with the mayor of the city about their plans for a small cell uh, rollout there. And I mean, it's hundreds and thousands of small cells in one municipality. Right. So I wanted to ask you about sort of that process that you alluded to. You gotta you know, find a site, then you gotta secure fiber access. You gotta deal with uh, local planning and zoning departments in terms of right-of-way con uh, concurrence. So it really is a complicated process that, that you might have to go through a thousand times just in one market. So, I mean, scalability's gotta be key to these deployments, right? I, it has to be, I mean, scalability is absolutely key. I think you hit it that, you know, you have to find a willing partner, especially mm -hmm. at the sort of the city level to help you cut through a lot of this red tape. So yeah. if you're finding, you, know, you will see markets that um, are gonna be more amenable to it mm -hmm. than others for a variety of reasons. Um, and so I think you will see some municipalities that have some vested interest, whatever that might be, in, um, in, in sort of partnering, you know, mm -hmm. with a, a particular carrier or even a group of carriers. I think the, the extent to which you can find um, partners that can help cut through red tape are going to be important. Um, and then if you can do that, I think small cells, especially for a company like Sprint, who are trying to, you know, they're fighting a, a pretty fierce battle against AT&T and, and Verizon, um, and I guess increasingly T-Mobile as well. It, 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 less and less so are, are, is a company going to be able to use LTE as, as a marketing term if they can't guarantee that you can have access to those services whenever you want. And yeah, I think we're still, I mean, anytime you're in any type of an urban core during rush hour, and it probably doesn't matter who you're with, you're going to experience some frustration with you know, trying to upload something that you want to upload to mm -hmm. whatever your social media site of choice is. Um, and so if, if you are a Sprint and you want to differentiate yourself 
in a, in a meaningful way to take customers probably at the, at the rate they have to take customers from the AT&Ts and Verizon of the world. I think small cells is, is a great way to do that because if you are able to, to sort of fill in and, and, and have that capacity to where at peak hours, you know, if you're at the bar, you're at the game or wherever you are and you want to upload that picture, you want to get, you want to download something, you can. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be meaningful differentiation. Mm -hmm. So I do think small cells are, are a, a major way of, uh, you know, helping an operator to do that. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm so kind of interested in the whole uh deployment process. Uh, I, we did the show live from uh, Small Cell World in London, uh, I guess maybe eight weeks ago, six weeks ago. Yeah. One of the things that really stuck with me on one of the panels, they, they sort of agreed that to make the business case work, you need to get the one deployment cost down below $20,000, which mm -hmm. has just this whole host of issues, even from the workforce side. You know, you need to go with sort of less skilled laborers to deploy these small cells than their more expensive alternatives. So just yeah. the, the OPEX implications of like a large scale small cell rollout kind of fascinate me. We've just seen so many of them right now. I think the last one we wrote about was Grant Park in Chicago. They added 12 small cells to up the capacity to accommodate Lollapalooza. Okay. And that's a great project, but it's not, it's not a huge project, you know? So I'm just interested what the business case is gonna be for these things. Well, I think you hit on something that's really overlooked in terms of deploying small cells. I, I think anyone who spends some time in this industry, especially on the wireless deployment side, understands the complexity that goes into a macro deployment. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, you know, safety issues just with the tower climbers, and then you, you know, you have to tune and tilt the the antennas a certain way to make sure everything is covered properly. And there's a myriad of of interference issues you have to deal with. And I think that's because maybe this, the form factor that is not necessarily as um, as prevalent with small cells, at least in, in the minds of folks. Mm -hmm. But it's it, it's an issue, you know. I mean, you you see messaging from vendors, and they can do things on the software side to make them plug and play. You know, you you have a a, a device that detects itself automatically. You plug it into the software. Mm -hmm. That that kind of thing, I think you can you can you can make happen from a technology point of view. Um, of course, that means you have to have the connectivity wherever you're at, which is which is an issue. Um, you know, it doesn't do you any good to plug a small cell in if you don't have the the, the back, you know, the, the the communications link to make the auto configuration happen. But then beyond that, there are still there are still minutia in terms of how you cite the thing, where you point it. Mm -hmm. You know, does it does it look good? Is it you know is it is it is it safe from vandalism? You know, if, right. if it something hits it accidentally, is it going to fall out? You know. That, I think, is the thing that has been overlooked. And when you're talking about needing an unskilled workforce to do that, you know, th there's, there's a tension there. Right. You, know, you, you have to have some level of training, mm -hmm. right? It, it's not going to be obviously as complex as deploying a macro site. But um, if you're talking about thousands and thousands of these, then you have thousands and thousands of potential points of failure right. if things like, you know, it gets just knocked a little cockeyed. Mm -hmm. So that's the aspect of the deployment that I, I don't think was necessarily fully realized until an, an operator tried to undertake a, a, a big deployment and realized, wow, you know, there's, you take the variables that could come into play and then you multiply them by right. factors of X and that's, that's a big issue. Yeah, now I, I guess one thing that I, I view as a key hindrance to small cell rollouts is, uh, is fiber access because I know that when you're, doing a deployment on a big scale, 
you need to obviously maximize your return uh, both on you know internal cost savings and on benefit to the customer you need to put these things where people can get the most use out of them but what if there's not fiber there is this a big opportunity for uh, people that play in the microwave backhaul space radio backhaul I mean if uh, if you can't plug it into fiber how do you get it back to the backbone yeah absolutely and I think we're seeing you know not necessarily just confined to small cells but as we start to think about things like um, virtualized RAN fiber front hall mm -hmm. or, or just mobile front hall is has become something that's probably over the last six months has become as hot as any topic in sort of the radio area and that is you know it's it's fiber sure is the preferred mechanism but you, like you said you're not going to be able to string fiber everywhere so how do you overcome that microwave is obviously something that's um you know that that's a, a, a viable solution. Mm -hmm. um, we're starting to see some folks, I mean it was previously accepted that, that Ethernet was just really not going to be able to cut it, but now we're starting to see some, some um, um, front hall solutions come out that are Ethernet based. Mm -hmm. And so now if you can start to use active Ethernet and then you're starting to leverage the copper infrastructure, and, and I think what that means is you're starting to see, you know, because fiber is not pervasive, you are starting to see this all hands on deck approach that really at any time you know there's a, a a large rollout of a new technology there is kind of the preferred approach and then you realize okay there's hurdles to be overcome and then something else and then it, it, to, to make it a mass market you have this all hands on deck we saw it with backhaul mm -hmm. you know um, you know fiber backhaul is great but then there had to be microwave you're figuring out ways of using ethernet backhaul now I think we're applying that same mentality towards front haul and that will enable, you know, a lot of this connectivity that, that, that you know, like you said, is, is really a priority to, to, to creating a successful rollout. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about this before we turned the camera on, but I mentioned to you that I've been seeing a lot of uh, action around uh, software vendors coming out with uh, network planning solutions that are sort of geared towards supporting small cell rollouts. So, I mean, it seems to me that from the vendor side, the, the hardware's in place, the software's in place. So, I mean, do you think 2015's the year? Is everything uh, lined up to support mass small cell rollouts? I, personally, I, I cover um, professional services quite, you know, quite closely for current analysis. And so network planning and optimization is always something that we, we've paid attention to. We've seen, you know, and, th and that's another one of the overlooked areas, um, there's, Network planning software has always been able to detect at sort of a flat level where the traffic is. Mm -hmm. What it hasn't been able to do necessarily is give you a 3D view to say, okay, yeah, it's it's here on this, this two-dimensional map, but it's actually 30 stories up. Mm -hmm. And by the way, you know, it's not necessarily just 30 stories up, it's on this corner of the building. Because on that corner of the building, you have interference issues and, and other things. So I think the software... Um, configuration tools, the optimization tools have had a long way to come mm -hmm. from where you know you might have been able to get away with 2D plan two-dimensional planning for, for macro sites. For small cells it really requires a much more sophisticated planning cycle so the software has has really come a long way in the past 18 months I'd say. Mm -hmm. So that is something that, that's you know if we're, if we're talking about you know if you're 
if you're rolling out 20,000 of these, it's it's not a two-dimensional. You're not putting them all on the same plane. Right, right. You're putting them all over the place. Poles. Yeah, everywhere. 30th floor of an office building versus 14th floor of an office building. Um, and so, you know, kind of like we've been talking about this entire show, a lot of things are, are coalescing mm-hmm. that... Two years ago, three years ago, quite frankly, we were, there was there was just a, a, a real a factor on the radio, this, the form factor of the radio. That obviously was a you know a fundamental consideration, but only after that was overcome did all these myriad of issues come into play. And so, you know, the software side of things I think was a a, a big issue that really unless you were unless you were deploying these things or trying to you know to sell it to an operator, you probably weren't you didn't have a lot of visibility into. Yeah. And so now let's uh, look ahead a little bit. Uh, we talk a lot on HetNet Happenings about 5G, uh, despite the fact that it's not standardized and uh, everybody's got a different uh, definition. One thing that seems to come up every time we talk about 5G, though, is uh, how crucial network densification is going to be. So it seems like uh, you know a 5G uh, commercialization is going to kind of be dependent on small cells to some extent. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if if you look at 5G as more than just a radio technology, it is this idea of, of network densification. Um, and it's also this idea of seamless connectivity, regardless of where you are, regardless of the form factor device or interface you're using. So so densification is, is one of those things, right? I mean, you, you basically have to get to fixed um, broadband capacity regardless of where you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, small cells is, is fundamental Wi-Fi and then the interplay between those two things. Um, but I, I think if you're, you know, if you look at it, it Wi-Fi is low latency, ubiquitous connectivity, then however you, whatever it takes to densify the network is is going to become crucial. And so small cells is obviously a huge part of that. Okay, now this is uh, taking a big left turn here, but I, I just I, I think you have some interesting thoughts on it. I wanted to ask you uh, uh, more about the relationship between the Internet of Things and 5G. Okay. Uh, in that, uh, again, we, we chatted about this earlier. Do we need 5G to fully realize the promise of IoT, uh, or are they separate tracks that intersect occasionally? Well, they, you know, they're, they are somewhat separate tracks, but I think they're interlaced, yeah. for sure. You know, I mean, the Internet of Things really, I, I, I think what's coming into to, to clarity a lot more is there's, there's almost a, a cleave between, you know, the real high-end use cases and then the, the low-end but pervasive use cases. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about 50 billion connections... A lot of those, you're, you're quite frankly talking about fairly rudimentary networks, right. you know, fairly low-cost signaling networks, let pop, cook, or, you know, soda machines talk to soda machines, right. things of that nature. When you're talking about a lot of the use cases that are, you know, that we hear a lot about um, with respect to driverless cars, with respect to, you know, e-health, mm-hmm. you know, public safety, all those things, I think, really require... A 5G type of a ultra dense, yeah. you know, very low latency, ultra reliable network to make happen. Um, you know, you, you you can't have a driverless car system that, you know, doesn't have the ability to be connected at all times at all costs, right? Yeah. And so yeah. And I I think that the the vehicles is a, a great example for this. We spend a lot of time and effort here covering the technology side of 5G development. <laughs> 
but there's really not a lot out there about how the business case needs to develop quickly because I mean you know I my phone plan I get 10 gigs of data mm -hmm. and so you talk about uh, autonomous vehicles I've heard estimates that these things are producing a gig a minute of data so I mean I would have exhausted my data plan before I got to work one day of the month so I mean the, the whole like pricing of data yeah. is got to dramatically shift right I think it has to dramatically shift I think you're also talking about who bears the cost of that right you know I I'm not sure about you know the the ins and outs of the business model. I suspect it will not be on you and I to directly compensate AT and T for the the amount of data that our car uses. Right. I do suspect that we will purchase a, a transportation subscription. Mm -hmm. Get in a car, it drives itself. You take a train. You know you you have a pass to to be transported where whatever your needs might be. Those companies are going to end up, you know, probably compensating the carriers. We'll obviously, you know, compensate those companies. Um, but I think you're right. I, th I think that, you know, beyond the fact that we need to get to exponential increases in capacity, which is, you know, a technology issue, the business issue, you know, the business case modeling is is absolutely something that is still very much in flux. And so, it's easy enough for us to sit here and talk about, okay, a transportation subscription. Well, that in itself is a is a huge undertaking. You know, I, I have heard car companies say that, you know, in, in 10 years time or 15 years time, whatever the time frame is, we won't be selling vehicles, we'll be selling transportation. Yeah. But, you know, what does that mean? I mean, I, am, am I going to give up the my willingness to purchase a car? I mean, I think you are seeing generational shifts. I think, you know, a, a generation younger than my own is is probably a lot more amenable to not owning a vehicle than maybe my, my generation is, our generation might be. Um, but at the same time, there's still going to be a lot of a lot of overlap and a lot of a lot of things to be worked out before we, you know, 100% get there. Yeah, we might have to do a whole other show on that because I mean, yeah. I can imagine a scenario where I'm buying a car insurance policy from AT&T because if, they, if there's a latency blip and my car runs into a ditch, I mean, just uh, the, the whole business yeah. case associated yeah. with that whole thing is fascinating to me. But Jason, as we wrap up here, uh, can you put in a plug for Current Analysis, the folks that want to keep up with the uh, work that you guys do? What's the website? It's currentanalysis.com. Um, we have it's a subscription site, so you know we we do um, we have a, a public blog site. It's called Network Matter, so just networkmatter.com, and that's where you'll see us talking a lot about. Um, you know things that may or may not be it, current analysis. We're talking a lot about how does Ericsson's small cell compare to Huawei's or Nokia's. Mm -hmm. um, on the blog, we we tie that into a lot of the the implications, the downstream implications of you know. Okay, we we understand the competitive dynamic now. What does that mean for how it sort of disperses into the marketplace? Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple different ways, but um, network matters. The uh, network matter is the public site, and then. Or the, the free site, and then there's the subscription site, obviously. All right. Well, we'll keep up with you there. And, Jason, thank you so much for coming in to join us. And to the folks at home, thanks for tuning in. I've got a few plugs. If you want to keep up with us, check out rcrwireless.com for multimedia content. Check out the RCR TV website as well as our YouTube channel. Be sure to hang out with us on Twitter, and we'll see you next week here on HetNet Happenings. HetNet Happenings is a production of RCR TV. To reach Sean Kinney or to suggest a show topic for HetNet Happenings, you can reach Sean at skinney at rcrwireless.com. On Twitter at Sean Kinney RCR. To find out more about the latest in HetNet and all things wireless, dig into rcrwireless.com.